اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم لیسن نمبر 42 سورہ آل عمران آیہ 23-32 الم تر الى الذین اوتو نصیبا من الكتاب Do you not consider, O Prophet وسلم, those who were given a portion of the scripture? What is so amazing about them? يُدْعَوْنَ إِلَىٰ كِتَابِ اللَّهِ لِيَحْكُمَ بَيْنَهُمْ They are invited to the scripture of Allah that it should arbitrate between them. It should judge between them. But what is their reaction? ثُمَّ يَتَوَلَّى فَرِيقٌ مِّنْهُمْ Then a party of them turns away and they are refusing. Alam Have you not seen? Isn't this amazing? Isn't it strange? Have you looked at these people? Alam Tara. Alam, Hamza, istifham or istikhbar is for the purpose of amazement over here. It is to express wonder. It is to express amazement. And it's also to provoke the thought of the listener. But think about this. Reflect on this incident and think. Also it has been said that Alam Tara, over here, this is expressing the meaning of, it is basically magnifying what happened. That this is a big deal. This is not something that is ordinary. If somebody behaves in this way, it's a big deal. Alam Tara, have you not seen? And Tara, you over here, it's singular. Yes, it does refer to the Prophet ﷺ. But after him, every listener, everyone who hears this. That have you heard this? Can you believe this actually happened? Isn't it amazing? Who? الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا نَصِيبًا Those people who were given a scripture. Meaning, have you seen these people who were given a portion of the scripture? The word nasib is from the root letters Noon Sadba and Nasib is used for a portion that is fixed. Because literally Nasab is to fix or to appoint something, so a Nasib is a portion that is fixed, that is appointed. So these people were given a Nasib min al kitab of the book. What does it mean by this? They were given a portion of the book. What does it mean by book? Book over here has been understood as the Torah. So what does it mean by they were given a portion of the book? What does the portion refer to then? The portion over here refers to partial and superficial knowledge of the book, of the Torah. That they only know the words. They only know what it says, but they don't actually act upon it. Because remember, tilawa of the book, what does it include? Just tilawa lafziya and tilawa ma'nawiya? Just reciting the words and knowing their meaning? No, that is incomplete. That is naqis tilawa. Tilawa that is attam, that is complete, includes tilawa amaliya as well, which is to act upon what a person reads, what a person understands. So if a person only reads the scripture, only discusses the words, the text, okay, this is what it means and that's what it means and this is what should be done, but doesn't actually apply it, what does it mean? that he only has a portion of the scripture. He doesn't have the entire scripture. He only knows the book superficially, partially. Because true ilm is amal. True knowledge is action. So if a person does not implement the knowledge, then he only has 
a part of the book. He doesn't have the whole book. He doesn't know the whole book. Because many things a person doesn't even understand until and unless he actually applies them. So if he is only discussing or exercising his mind when it comes to the book of Allah, then he is not fully understanding until and unless he implements. So they are given a portion of the book, meaning a portion of the Torah, which is just superficial knowledge of the Torah. Secondly, it has been said that Al-Kitab over here refers to all of the divine books, all of the revealed scriptures. So what is the nasib? What is a portion that these people in particular were given from all of the divine books? What does the nasib refer to then? The Torah. So basically, الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا نَصِيبًا مِنَ الْكِتَابِ Who does it refer to? The Bani Israel. We learn that when the Prophet ﷺ migrated to Medina, he encountered many people over there. There were Muslims, there were people who accepted Islam, there were people who remained mushrikeen, and there were some people who were Yahud. They were Bani Israel, the tribes of the Bani Israel. Now, many people from among the Arabs, many people from among the residents of Medina became Muslim. But very few of the Bani Israel accepted Islam. Very few of the Bani Israel actually accepted Islam, despite the fact that they had the book. Despite the fact that they were the ones who were waiting for the Prophet. Despite the fact that they would tell the Arabs that when we have our Prophet, we're going to be victorious over you. So, they knew of the Prophet, they recognized him. Nothing was new for them. But despite this, they did not accept the Prophet They did not believe in him. So over here, Allah is saying, have you seen these people? Have you seen the behavior of these people? Isn't it strange? That they know the Prophet, they see him, they recognize him. They recognize him as well as they recognize their own sons, but still they disbelieve in him. Why? Because they only have a nasib of the book. They only know the text. They don't apply it. So they see the text. They see it being fulfilled in the Prophet ﷺ, but they don't apply it. Meaning, they don't believe in the Prophet ﷺ. We see over here that Allah says, Utu, they were given. What were they given? Nasiba min al-kitab. What does it show? That any person who has knowledge, it has been given to him. Because it's Utu. They were given. So any person who has knowledge, it has been given to him by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Especially when it comes to the knowledge of the deen. We learned in Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 269, يُؤْتِ man Allah gives hikmah to whomsoever He wills. What is hikmah? The ability to implement the knowledge. To know what to do, when, where, and how. Similarly, in Surah Al-Kahf, Ayah 65, we learn, وَعَلَّمْنَاهُ مِنْ لَدُنَّا عِلْمًا And we had taught him from us a certain knowledge. And the Prophet ﷺ was told to pray, وَقُلْ رَبِّ زِدْنِي عِلْمًا Say, O oh my Lord, increase me in knowledge. Why? Because Allah alone is the one who bestows knowledge. And Allah alone is the one who gives a person the ability to implement the knowledge, to act upon the knowledge. So these people who had only superficial knowledge, this knowledge was not enough. Why? Because it did not change their actions. Over here we see 
Yud'auna. These people, they are called. Yud'auna is from Dal'ain. Well, Da'ayadru. They are called, they are invited, Ila kitabillah, to the book of Allah. Why are they called to the book of Allah? لِيَحْكُمَ بَيْنَهُمْ So that it judges between them. Yahkuma is from hukum. What does it mean? To make a judgment, to pass a judgment. So these people, the Bani Israel, they are called so that the book of Allah judges between them. They are called by who? By the Prophet ﷺ. But the question is, what does it mean by the book of Allah? Which book of Allah is this? This can be understood in two ways. First of all, it is referring to the Qur'an. That they were called by the Prophet ﷺ. That come, this is the book of Allah, accept it, follow it, observe it. This is what you should follow now. All of your judgments, everything in your life must be guided by what? By what Allah has revealed. So they are invited to follow the Qur'an. That لِيَحْكُمَ بَيْنَهُمْ But what is their reaction? They don't come. They turn away. Secondly, it has been said that the Kitab of Allah, the Book of Allah over here refers to the Torah itself. That the people of the book, they are called, that come, let your book decide for you. Refer to your book and let your book decide for you. Your scripture will tell you as to what you should do. But what is their reaction? What does the ayah say? But then a group of them turns away. A group of them turns away from the book of Allah. Whether it is the Quran or it is the Torah that they claim to believe in. They turn away from it. While they turn away. The word yatawalla is from the root letters wa'ulamiya. And tawalli is to turn away from something. How? Physically. And the word mu'ridun is a plural of mu'rid. Who is mu'rid? One who does i'rad. And i'rad is also to turn away from something. But how is it different from tawalli? Tawalli is to turn away from something physically. And i'rad is when a person turns away from something with his heart. It's the aversion of the heart. It's the aversion of the qalb. The person is not interested in it. He doesn't want it. He doesn't like it. You know, sometimes you can't go somewhere. So physically, you're not there. But your heart is there. You wish you could be there. You wish you could do that. And sometimes a person is not there physically. And he doesn't even wish to be there. So over here, they turn away physically. And in their hearts also, they're not interested in the book of Allah at all. وَهُمْ مُعْرِضُونَ and they turn away. So two different words have been used for tawalli, for turning away. One is tawalli and the other is i'rad. Over here we see that yud'auna ila kitabillah. They are called to the book of Allah. Now the question is, why are they called to the book of Allah when they already have in? When they already have knowledge? Because utu nasibam min al-kitab. They have a portion of the book. They have the Torah. So why are they being called to the book? Because first of all, they only had a nasib. They had only part of the book, not all of the book. Therefore, they need more knowledge. That's why they were called to the book of Allah. That's why they were called to the Qur'an. Also we see that the knowledge that they had, which is of the book, which is of the Torah, what did they do to the Torah? They changed it. They altered it. يُحَرِّفُونَ They did tahrif. 
as we learned in Surah Al-Baqarah. So if the book has been altered, if the book has been changed, what is right and what is wrong? Do they know? They don't know. So they are told, come to the Qur'an. Come and let the Qur'an decide for you. Follow the Qur'an. Why? Because the Qur'an will tell you what is right and what is wrong. The book that you have, that has been changed, that has been altered, you've messed it up. So the Qur'an was sent, why? To fix those changes. It's the final book. But we see that these people, they had their own scripture, although it was changed, although it was altered. Or they had only nasib of the book. They only had a portion of the book. And what were they told? Come to the book of Allah. They were invited to learn the book of Allah. What do we learn from this? That any person who has knowledge of the book, what does it mean by that? That he may have studied the Qur'an. He may have studied the book of Allah. Then, even he is called to the book of Allah. Why? For further reflection. For further study. Because remember, studying the book of Allah, reading the book of Allah once or twice or thrice, or four times, or five times, or six times, or even ten times, even fifty times, is not enough. Remember that. It is not enough. So, yud'auna ila kitabillah, they're being called to the book of Allah. Why? Because everyone needs to improve in their knowledge of the book. The moment a person thinks, I know enough, I have studied enough, that's it, his learning has stopped. His improvement has stopped. Because when you study the Qur'an, you're not just gaining knowledge. You're not just learning about root letters and root words. And the singulars and the plurals and the definitions. No. What are you learning? How can I act upon it? What can I do? Did I remember this? Did I forget this? So the Qur'an is not just, the book of Allah is not something that should be understood and read as a text. Remember, tilawa lafziya intilawa ma'nawiya is not enough. And, okay, fine. A person may learn about it by studying it once or twice. But tilawa amaliyah is a constant, ongoing process. It never stops. It never ends. So over here, these people, they know the book of Allah. But still they're being called, come to the book of Allah. Come study again. Come listen again. But what do they do? They turn away. Because many times when a person has some knowledge, his ego comes in the way. And he thinks, I know enough, I have heard enough, I have done this before, and I don't need to learn anymore. I don't need to reflect anymore. But look, yudha'una ila kitabillah. Nobody can say that I know everything and I don't need to learn anymore. This is the way of the Bani Israel that is being mentioned over here. They physically don't come, and if they do come physically, their heart is not interested. Their mind is elsewhere. They get very bored. But yeah, yeah, I know this. Move on. So, over here we see that everybody is invited to the book of Allah. If you know it already, good. But come again. Why? Because you need to know more. And if you don't improve in your knowledge, at least you will improve in your reflection. At least it will help you remember more. It will help you apply more. It will help you practice more. It will help you understand the text better. So, 
يُدْعُونَ إِلَىٰ كِتَابِ اللَّهِ Now, over here it says in particular that they were called to the book of Allah. Why? لِيَحْكُمَ بَيْنَهُمْ So that it makes a judgment concerning them. What is this judgment in particular? What is this hukum? This hukum is with regards to the different disputes, the different things that occur in a person's life, the different incidents that occur in a person's life, different situations. So he needs guidance from the Book of Allah. And this is exactly why we have to keep studying the Qur'an. This is why we have to stay connected to the Book of Allah. Because we go through different situations in life. And sometimes we forget what the Book of Allah says. But if we're connected with the Qur'an, what happens? We're reminded. We remember again. Secondly, they were called to the Book of Allah so that it judges between them. Why? Because their books had been altered. So, the Book of Allah, the Qur'an, was to tell them how they were supposed to worship. How they were supposed to obey Allah. How they were supposed to deal with other people. But what is their reaction? ثُمَّ يَتَوَلَّى فَرِيقٌ مِّنْهُمْ وَهُمْ مُعْرِضُونَ We learned that Abdullah ibn Abbas he said that a man and woman from Khaybar and who lived in Khaybar? The Jews. A man and woman from Khaybar they committed zina. They committed adultery. And according to their law meaning according to the Jewish law the punishment for this crime was afrajim which is to stone the adulterer and the adulteress to death. But the two who committed the crime were of a high status in society and the Jews did not want to stone them to death. Both of them, the man and the woman, were of the elite and they did not wish to stone them to death. So obviously, if they consulted their own law, that meant stone them to death. So they wanted some other law. And therefore, they brought the case to the Prophet ﷺ. They thought that the Prophet ﷺ would lighten the burden from them, meaning he would not impose the same punishment upon them. Maybe he would say, okay, lash them a few times or just do something else and not stone them to death. But the Prophet ﷺ also gave the same verdict of stoning. Nu'man bin Awfa and Bahri ibn Amr, who were from the Jews, spoke up and they said, Muhammad ﷺ, your decision is wrong. They said, no, your decision is wrong. They should not be stoned. Well, you consulted your book, it gave you that law. It gave you that ruling. You came to him and that's the ruling that he gave you. Why are you saying that? Your ruling is wrong. The Prophet ﷺ said, the decision between us can only be decided from the Torah. Bring the Torah. The Prophet ﷺ asked them, who is the greatest scholar of the Torah among you? They said, a one-eyed scholar, meaning a person who has only one eye, only one eye functions, and his name is Ibn Suriya with the Sa'd who lived away from Medina. He didn't live in Medina. He lived far away. He was called by them. And he came to Medina. Why? Because he was the greatest alim of the Torah at that time. So when he came, the Prophet ﷺ asked that man if he was actually Ibn Surya. And he said, yes, I am. The Prophet ﷺ asked him, are you the greatest scholar of the Jews? He said, yes, people think me so. The Prophet ﷺ asked him to find the verses of stoning and read them he did but when he came to the actual stoning part what did he do he covered it with his hands and he moved on because the Prophet ﷺ was unlettered so obviously how was he to know that he has read that part or not so what did he do he completely ignored that part he left that part and he read on Abdullah ibn Salam who was he he was 
a Jew, but he had become a Muslim. He said, O Messenger of Allah, he has skipped the verse on stoning. He has skipped it. He hasn't read it. Then Abdullah ibn Salam stood up and removed his hand from the verse on stoning and read the verses to the Prophet ﷺ and all those who were present over there. And then as a result, the punishment of stoning was applied on that man and woman. So we see over here that these people, they had their book. They had the law. What did they do? They changed it. They altered it. And if they didn't change it, if they didn't alter it, they completely hid it. They completely concealed it. And they tried to refer to some other law for a judgment, for a ruling. And even over there, they were given the same law. But look at them, that they actually covered part of the Torah so that it would suit their desires. You know how sometimes we say that it says in the Quran, or we hear so many times within our Muslims that the Jews, the people of the book, the previous scriptures, they have the description of the Prophet ﷺ. They have the signs of the Prophet ﷺ. But how come these Christians or these Jews, they say that they're not there? Or how come they say that these descriptions are of another person? How come? Why? If a people treat their book like this, that they hide whatever they will, they change whatever they will, they alter whatever they will, you think they will keep the descriptions of the Prophet ﷺ in their book? You think they will keep them? No, they won't. If this is what they did with their book, with their own laws, you think they're going to keep the description of the Prophet ﷺ intact in their book? No, they're not. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us, isn't this amazing? Look at these people. Can you believe this is what they do? Alam tara, have you not seen? This is very strange. That they're called to the book of Allah, so that the book of Allah judges concerning them. But what do they do? They turn away from the book of Allah. ثُمَّ يَتَوَلَّى فَرِيقٌ مِّنْهُمْ وَهُمْ مُعْرِضُونَ Notice, two words have been used for irad over here. We discussed the difference between the meaning of the words, but how come two words have been used? Firstly, it has been said that it is for the purpose of emphasis. That they completely turn away. They have no interest from the judgment of Allah, from the ruling of the book. Secondly, it has been said that يَتَوَلَّوْنَ Tawalli has been used, why? To show that they turn away physically from the one who is calling them. The Prophet ﷺ was calling them. And what did they do? They didn't go to him. They didn't respond to him. And مُعْرِضُونَ They turn away. This مُعْرِضُونَ is the i'rad of the heart, meaning they turn away from that to which he is calling them to. They're not interested in the book of Allah. So, they physically leave the da'i and they're not interested in that which he is calling them to. Then it has been said that tawallaw has been used. Why? Because it was their ulama, it was their scholars, Ibn Surya, who was the most learned man amongst them. He is the one who turned away and mu'ridun, who does it refer to? The followers. That they just follow the leaders, the scholars. Also it has been said that yatawallawna, they turn, it refers to their present state. Meaning at that particular incident, at that particular moment, this is what they did. They turned away. But mu'ridun, notice mu'ridun is an ism, it's a noun, it begins with a meme. And yatawallawna is a verb. So yatawallawna describes what they did at that particular incident. And mu'ridun describes their habit. This is their habit. They're not interested 
in the book of Allah, in acting upon the book of Allah at all. What should actually be done when a person is called to the book of Allah? He should pay attention to it. How? Inwardly and outwardly. With his heart and also physically he should be there. Many times we come to the class and what happens? Our hearts are elsewhere. Or sometimes we don't come at all for a simple reason. Too hungry, too tired, I'm cramping. So I'm not going to come. Well, it's the same thing. Whether you sit in the class or outside, you're still going to be in pain. You're still going to be thirsty. You're still going to be tired. Isn't it better that at the same time, you hear something which might remind you of something that's good for you? So, when a person is called to the book of Allah, how should he respond? He should be attentive. He should be there inwardly as well as outwardly. Because over here Allah mentions both words, tawalli and irad. And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala disapproves of. So what lessons do we learn from this ayah? There are many lessons. First of all, we must remember that this ayah is not specific to that incident. This ayah is not specific to that time or to those people or just the disbelievers. No. Because Quran is for all times. And if there are some people, even today, who have the same behavior, meaning they're called to the book of Allah, but they turn away, they fall in the same group. What is the purpose of calling people to the book of Allah? What is the purpose? What does the ayah say? لِيَحْكُمَ بَيْنَهُمْ So that the book tells us what we should do and what we should not do. What is right and what is wrong. The book gives us the criterion. We see that many people, even amongst the Muslims, they don't want to listen to the Qur'an. They don't want to study the Qur'an. Why? Because if I study, I will have to follow. I will have to implement so they don't come at all. But this is actually tawalli as well. This is also turning away from the book of Allah. So, turning away from the book of Allah is not something that just the Jews and the Christians did. No. It is something that unfortunately we also do. We are called to the Quran class. But what do we do? No. I know already. I have an asleep of the book already. I have all my nice juice covered with notes. I have heard many lectures before. I don't need to learn. I don't need to study. But this way is not appropriate. Because even if a person knows tilawa lafziya and tilawa ma'nawiya, tilawa amaliya comes only by keeping yourself connected with the Qur'an. Also we learn a very important lesson. That it is not necessary that a person who has knowledge of the book also has a tawfiq of acting upon the book. They had nasiba min al-kitab. They had a portion of the book. They had their ilm. But it did not affect them. It did not change their lives. So it's not necessary that if a person has a diploma, he has taken a particular course, his amal is going to change. No. Amal changes only with the tawfiq of Allah. We also learn a very important lesson. That sometimes a person knows what is good for him, but he still doesn't do it. And on the other hand, a person knows that something is bad for him, but still he does it. People do that sometimes. Why? What's the reason? What's the cause behind that? It's the hubbu shahwat. It's the love of desires. For example, a person has a food allergy. He has a sensitivity to a particular food. But still, he eats that food. Why? Because he likes it. He enjoys it. For example, many people, 
they have a sensitivity to dairy, but still they love ice cream or they love butter or they love milk and still they will have it sometimes. But when a person does that, who does he harm? Himself. And this is exactly what is being mentioned in the ayah that look at these people. They're called to the book of Allah because the book of Allah is going to tell them something that is good for them. But still, they're turning away. Isn't it strange? Isn't it amazing? They're harming themselves. So many people just want to live according to their desires. They want to do whatever they want to do and they don't want to be told as to what they should do and what they should not do. And when they're called towards the Qur'an, their hearts are not interested. Next ayah. ذَلِكَ That is بِأَنَّهُمْ قَالُوا Because indeed they have said ذَلِكَ That is What is? This tawalli This turning away This i'rad This disinterest In the book of Allah They are not being interested In the kitab of Allah Why is it so? بِأَنَّهُمْ قَالُوا Because indeed they have said لَن تَمَسَّنَ النَّارِ The fire is never going to touch us Tamasana is from Meem seen seen Mas What does mas mean? To touch something So they say That fire is never even going to touch us Forget about burning It's never even going to touch us Illa except for Ayyam ma'dudat For a few days Ayyam is a plural of Yawm And ma'dudat is a plural of Ma'duda So who said this? The Yahud They would say this That the fire Is only going to touch us We're only going to be exposed To the hellfire for the number of days that we worship the calf. And after that, we'll be taken out of the hellfire. So therefore, we can do whatever we want. وَغَرَّهُمْ فِي دِينِهِمْ And it has deluded them in their religion. غَرَّهُمْ From the root letters, غَيْنْ From the word غُرُور What does it mean? To deceive someone through vain desires, through false hopes. غُرُور is to deceive someone. How? By giving them false hopes. And it is especially... When a person is in the state of heedlessness So imagine a person who is not paying that much attention And he is deceived, he is fooled So غَرَّهُمْ It has deluded them فِي دِينِهِمْ Concerning their religion Meaning in the matter of their religion What has deceived them? مَا كَانُوا يَفْتَرُونَ All that they fabricate What is it that they fabricate? Different things For example, they have fabricated about the fact that they will only go to hellfire for a few days. If they do go to hellfire, it will only be for a few days. Similarly, they fabricated that we are the sons of Allah, we are the beloved of Allah, Nahnu Abna Allah wa therefore He loves us, He's not going to punish us. So they had innovated many things in their religion, many concepts, many thoughts, false practices in their religion. And these False concepts They had deceived them With regards to their religion With regards to practicing their religion With regards to properly Implementing their religion If you think of it You can read the text In your own book That this is the punishment for zina And what does the scholar do? The most learned scholar He hides it What is making him hide? What is giving him the confidence That he can do that with the book of Allah? It's that false assumption that no matter what I do, I will be forgiven. Why? Because I am chosen. Because I am a believer. That even if I will be punished, it will only be for a few days, and then eventually, I'll be fine. Why? Because I'm a believer. I'm of the Ummah. 
I can do whatever I want. So these false concepts, these innovations, they have deceived them with regards to properly implementing their religion, properly practicing their religion. So we see that the Bani Israel, they had a problem in their aqidah, in their belief. They did believe in the hereafter, but they thought that just because we are of the Bani Israel, we can do whatever we want. We will not be punished. Similarly, the Christians, what have they fabricated? That the Son of God has died for us, therefore we can do whatever we want. All we have to do is just believe in the fact that He died for our sins, and that's it. We can do whatever we want. Live your life however you wish. So, غَرَّهُمْ فِي دِينِهِمْ مَا كَانُوا يَفْتَرُونَ What do we learn from this ayah? That first of all, sometimes the righteous actions of a person, they can deceive him. What is it that deceives them? We are of the Bani Israel. We believe. Belief is what? A righteous action. So because of our iman, we're fine. What do we learn in the Quran? Allah says, فَوَيْلٌ لِلْمُصَلِّينَ Woe to those people who pray. Woe. Destruction. For who? For those people who perform salah. Can you imagine? They're doing a good deed, but destruction for them. Why? Because الَّذِينَ هُمْ عَنْ صَلَاتِهِمْ سَاهُونَ Those who are heedless of their prayer. Who when they're praying, they're completely heedless. And after their salah, they go do whatever they want. They disobey Allah. Such people who pray, woe to them. الَّذِينَ هُمْ يُرَاءُونَ Those who show off. Whatever good deeds they do, they do them. Why? In order to show off. So sometimes, the good deeds of a person, they give him this confidence that look, I'm so good. I'm so righteous. I'm a student of the Qur'an. I read the Qur'an every day. I help other people learn the Qur'an. I teach the Qur'an every day. And sometimes this ghurur, this arrogance, this pride, it leads a person to deception. That he becomes negligent of the good deeds that he is performing. Or he follows them up with riya, showing off. Or for example, he gives sadaqah and he thinks, oh my God, I've done such a good deed. And he follows it up by man and other. And as a result, what does he do? He wastes all of his good deeds. So, a person should never ever be deceived by his righteous actions, by his good deeds. Never think that just because you have done this or you have done that, just because you've done hajj, just because you wear the hijab, just because you pray five times a day, then you have the permission to do whatever you want. No. Never ever be deceived by the good deeds. Similarly, we also learn from this ayah that someone who holds on to just part of the deen and ignores the rest, even he is deceiving himself. Because what did they do? They only held on to the concept that we are the chosen people. Allah loves us. He is going to forgive us. And as a result of that, they thought, we can do whatever we want. We can leave whatever we want. We can do whatever we want. Just like we Muslims, what do we say? Allah is Ghafoorul Rahim. But we ignore the fact that He is also Shadidul Iqab. Surah Al-Ma'idah, Ayah 98, we learn, اِعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ Shadidul Iqab وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ رَحِيمٌ Know that Allah is Shadidul Iqab, He is severe in penalty, and that Allah is also Ghafoorul Rahim, forgiving and merciful. So, it is not enough to just hold on to parts of their religion. It is very important for a person 
to take their religion, to take the deen as a whole, in its entirety. Follow it completely. Udukhunu fisilmi kafa. What do we learn from the hadith? The Prophet ﷺ said, Whoever does not give up lying speech and acting on those lies and evil actions, Allah is not in need of his leaving his food and drink. Meaning, if a person is fasting, he's doing a good deed, he's holding on to only one part of the religion. And if he does not leave his lying and acting upon those lies, then Allah does not need his fasting. Allah does not need that he should not eat and he should not drink. So, holding on to only part of the religion is not enough. And this is also very common in the Muslims. Muslims say, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَغْفِرُ أَن يُشْرَكَ بِهِ وَيَغْفِرُ مَا دُونَ ذَلِكَ لِمَنْ يَشَاءَ Indeed, Allah does not forgive association with him, but he forgives what is less than that for whomsoever he wills. I don't do shirk. I'm not a mushrik. So, if I perform any other sins, it's okay. Allah can forgive. But they forget that it's لِمَنْ يَشَاءَ For whoever that he wills. And Allah's Mashiach is based on His wisdom and knowledge. Does He not know that you're all committing sins? Wallahu basirun bil ibad. Allah is seeing, He is watching all of His servants. So just holding on to parts of the religion and basing the entire deen on them is not enough. Kullu ummati yadkhulu al jannah. The hadith that mentions that my entire ummah is going to enter jannah. So what do Muslims say? I'm part of the Ummah. I'm an Ummati. So therefore, I'm going to enter Jannah. But what does the Hadith say after that? Illa man aba, except for the one who refused. Refuses what? Complete submission. The Sahaba asked that who is the one who has refused? And the Prophet ﷺ said, Waman asani faqad aba. The one who disobeys me, then he has refused. We say, we are of the Ummah of the Prophet. We can go to Jannah. We are going to go to Jannah. But we forget that at the same time it is very important to follow the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. For example, we learned about the ayat of riba. We say we're Muslims. Eventually we'll go to Jannah. But what did we learn in those ayat? Woman ada Woman ada. Whoever returns, whoever goes back to taking riba despite knowing, we forget the rest of the Qur'an and we only pick and choose those things that suit us. Those things that support our claims. So it is very important that a person takes the deen as a whole. Another very important lesson that we learn from this ayah is that innovations in religion deceive people. They had innovated many things. مَا كَانُوا يَفْتَرُونَ What is يَفْتَرُونَ? Iftira from فَارَيَا To fabricate things. To make up things. Things that have no reality to them. Make them up. Invent them. So, concepts, practices, actions that have no reality in their religion, what do people do? People invent them. People follow them religiously, thinking that they are a means of their salvation. For example, people say that if you do this particular action, which has no basis in the Quran and Sunnah, you're definitely going to Jannah. All of your sins will be forgiven. You pass through this door and you will enter Jannah. Similarly, there are so many other false practices in the deen. You do this, you're going to Jannah. You do this, you'll be forgiven. So what do innovations do? They deceive a person with regards to his religion, with regards to his deen. What was the way of the Sahaba? Were they content with the good deeds that they performed? No, they weren't. We learn about the people who participated in Badr. 
the Sahaba who participated in Badr. The Prophet ﷺ said that Allah has said with regards to those that do as you wish, for indeed I have forgiven you. Did the Sahaba go back to riba and zina and alcohol and all sorts of wrong things? No. They became even more careful. So we can never be content with the good deeds that we have performed. And we must not be fooled with the righteous actions that we perform. The book that Allah has given us, who are we to alter it? Who are we to change it? Who are we to just pick and choose and leave most of it and only rely on parts of it? Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. أَلَمْ تَرَ إِلَى الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا نَصِيبًا مِنَ الْكِتَابِ يُدْعَوْنَ إِلَى كِتَابِ اللَّهِ لِيَحْكُمَ بَيْنَهُمْ ثُمَّ يَتَوَلَّى فَرِيقٌ مِّنْهُمْ وَهُمْ مُعْرِضُونَ ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّهُمْ قَالُوا لَن تَمَسَّنَا النَّارُ إِلَّا أَيَّامًا مَّعْدُودَاتٍ وَغَرَّهُمْ فِي دِينِهِم مَّا كَانُوا يَفْتَرُونَ If you think of it when it comes to the matters of dunya for example you have to take an exam You ever take a test? Do you say, oh, no problem. I'll pass anyway. I'll just guess. I'll just read maybe parts of the book. I'll just read the first chapter and leave everything else. And you know that you're going to be tested in everything. Do you do that? Especially if the test is major. Would you do that? Some people do that. And what do they suffer from? Failure. So when it comes to the dunya, when it comes to the matters of the dunya, when it comes to the degrees of this world, to the tests of this dunya, we are so careful. We don't take any chances. But when it comes to the matter of the akhirah, entering to Jannah, we rely on assumptions. We rely on only parts of the deen. No, it's okay. We'll be fine. I'll get through. No big deal. When it comes to the matters of dunya, we're never laid back. We're so careful. We do so much research. We hire lawyers. We do this, we do that. We ask so many people and we do our best to prepare the best application. But when it comes to the matter of our deen, We're very laid back. We should have both hope and fear. That when we do a good deed, we should be hopeful that it will be accepted. But at the same time, we should be concerned and fearful that what if I do something that's going to waste my good deed? Another very important lesson is that we must not stop learning. Because no matter how much we've learned, it's not enough. And we say that based on several ahadith, based on the ayat of the Qur'an, that we are going to enter Jannah. But okay, fine. If that is guaranteed, how do you know that you will die as a Muslim? How do you know that your deeds are actually being accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? 